Do you think that it's a little chilly in here? No. Okay. <laughs> Do maybe, you? maybe I just thought that because of this cold open. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dumb. Whatever. Listen, so we got Adam Livingston episode today, but there's a few things we got to talk about. Got you went to the fair. I did. And I abstained from the fair. So tell us about, <laughs> tell us how the fair was. So on the last episode, I was talking about how excited I was to go to the fair because they have that, the little pig race and they get Oreos at the end. Yeah. Guess what they didn't have at the fair this year? Oreos. The little pig race. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there were Oreos somewhere, but they did not have the little yeah. pigs and I was so sad. But. They always, usually there's somebody there making like the deep fried Oreos. Yeah, for sure. So we I've never had, a lot had of fun, one. Though. You've never had a deep fried Oreo? No. I'm, it's kind of one of those things, like as unhealthy as I eat, like <laughs> I, it's almost one of those things where like I'm worried about trying because that might be the straw that breaks the camel's back on no, my heart attack. It's, it's definitely one of those foods that you only want to eat once, but you're glad that you did once <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then you're done with it and you don't ever okay. want it again. All right. Uh, we did have a lot of fun though. They had some animals there that I have not seen at the fair before. They had kangaroos. And a dingo and a wallaby. So a dingo cool. ate my baby. <laughs> yeah. That? Yep. Pretty cool. Um, so what? <laughs> what are you laughing at? Pretty cool. Yeah. No, um, but it was fun. We got really good food. We got the roasted ear of corn, of course, because we always get that at the fair. Really good yeah. lemonade. They had a new funnel cake this year. It was Fruity, Pedal, Fruity Pebble Funnel Cake. That was delicious. So good. Yeah. And there was something else that I'm forgetting. But really good food, lots of cute animals. We had right. a good time. Um, we also went to the Cryptid Bash last Saturday. Yes, in Number Heiko. three. Yes, so we, I think we had said we weren't sure how long it had been going on. But yeah. so this was the third one. It was so fun. Yeah, it was. And they, they had pepperoni rolls there. So love that. Um, there was a lot of vendors there that... Uh, I mean, I didn't expect there to be, I don't know really what I expected, but. I did not expect it to be as big as it was. I think there were over 40 vendors, I want to say. Really? I think I saw that on their Facebook page that there were over 40, or maybe that includes the bands, maybe. Maybe. 40 40 people. I don't know. I didn't, there was definitely a lot. Um, There's a lot of people selling like the, their artwork, Mm -hmm. which like, I, I'm, jealous of anybody that does like visual art because yeah. like i'm i'm barely competent enough <laughs> with like that stuff to do my job in photoshop so yeah i'm like if you can just like make stuff up and be a be an artist then like good on you because yeah there were so many good vendors there and if you have time go find the cryptid bash facebook page they had a list of all the vendors that were there there was such cool stuff like stickers, yeah. jewelry, prints, all kinds of things. Yeah, we both got books. Yes. From, so we what's were. What's her name? We were going to talk about that. Um, we got books from an author called. She was named Jeanette Quackenbush, uh-huh. and she had all these different books about. I think like her experiences traveling around and going to these spooky sites. So I got one called West Virginia Ghost Stories, Legends, Haunts, and Folklore, and then you got her one that was more about the cryptids and stuff. Yeah, I got her monster book. Yeah, and she yeah. signed our books, and she wrote Boo ah. on the inside. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so that was really cool. She was so nice. 
Um, Jeanette Quackenbush, she has a podcast. I pulled it up on my phone because I wanted to make sure I got the name right. So on iHeartRadio, her podcast is Sometime Between Dusk and Dawn Ghost Stories. And then she also has a YouTube channel called Lone Ghost Rider. So check her out. Yeah, that's really cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, she's super nice too. She so. was so nice. I yeah. liked talking to her. So yeah, we told her we would we would shout her out to everybody. Yeah, her I haven't. Really have cool. you read that book yet? I haven't had the chance to really sit down and read it, but I've looked through at different parts, and it's really cool. It has uh, pictures of the places in it, and she puts the exact GPS coordinates. Yeah. So if someone was trying to go find this place, she's very thorough. She has addresses, GPS coordinates, lots of. Um, photographs it's really neat and there's a lot of stuff in here that i've never heard of before a lot of times when you pick up these books it's all the same stories yeah like the top major ones but she has a ton and she had i want to say like four or five books on her table maybe more so she's she's pretty knowledgeable it, no she had a lot of books yeah it was kind of i think she's got has like series <laughs> of each had a few of more them, s's so. to that word yeah so <laughs> there was like a, a like a lot of ghost books and yeah. a bunch of stuff so but she's super nice and yeah she offered to sign our books and that was cool and she gave us like yeah. a little bag to carry them home in yeah a little bag. like a little you know like a little mesh like whatever yeah. that's called like bag. perfectly book sized yeah that was cool so tons of cool vendors lots of good music good food and great coffee i gotta talk about the coffee yeah so that's what we're drinking today it's, it's so good it's um red eyes brew and that was made in conjunction with, so actually the Cryptid Bash was put on by the Moth Boys podcast. Mm-hmm, with Free Folk Brewery. Yeah. And so, and so this, uh, well, this coffee was made in conjunction with the Moth Boys. This is from um, Mountain Table that makes this coffee. Mm-hmm. And is that it you can, Rennick, West Virginia? Yeah, Rennick, West Virginia. And uh, so they do, they've got a bunch of like different kind of coffee stuff. The, and they they they're like a local kind of place um and i, I found them on uh, instagram and stuff so you can find them um but uh this is called red eyes brew um for mothman yeah <laughs> so made in conjunction with uh with the moth boys and uh it's actually really good so it's super good yeah they gave us a little like a little taste test i don't know i'm not like a big coffee drinker like i only Drink coffee here on the podcast days and on holidays. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't, I'm not like a coffee person, but it doesn't taste horrible <laughs> to me, and so and it's an, actually really good. So yeah, and I'm an everyday coffee drinker. I love coffee. I drink it all the time, and this is seriously good coffee. So definitely yeah. check it out so if you like that kind of stuff. We were drinking the uh, what is it, Bones Coffee Company before? The, yeah, big fan of Bones also. Yeah, um, and they're uh, I would always have their chocolate. Army of Dark Chocolate. Yeah. And before that, I had S'more Time, and I had a picture of Bigfoot on the bag. Their packaging's pretty neat. Yeah. Which this is, they've got like a Moth Boys little sticker there. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I mean, it looks like a, I know every time I touch this, it's going to pop up in the mic. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had fun at, the, I had fun at the fair. We had a lot of fun at Cryptid Bash. And yeah. school so, has started. School, I'm I was going to so ask tired. you about that. How... How's that treating you? It's going really well. I have a great group of kids, and I love teaching. It's just the first, you know, week back is always pretty intense. Yeah. Is so. Last week you started in the middle of the week, right? Yeah. So I well, so I was there all week, and the kids came for their first time on Thursday, and it is now Monday. So this was our 
first like real day of school with all our curriculum and everything. Right. And they're doing such a good job. They're so yeah. good. So this will be your first actual full week back to school with your yeah. students and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's very cool. Speaking of back to school, <laughs> we, the podcast, is partnered with Amazon this week. Yay! So um, I will I will put um, a link in the description for there's a a back to school link. So it'll take you to a page that has like Amazon's category for like back to school and school supplies and everything. And so you so can cool. um, I'll put it in the description and I'll also put it in the link on our Facebook page for this, the photo dump for this episode. But um, you, if you click the link in the description, um, the, you can find all kinds of like the back to school deals. Um, there's up to like 40% on certain school supplies. So um, that, I mean, already yeah. is good, but um, I mean, any kind of discount is good, mm-hmm. but um, you can actually shop by specific grades or uh, your like specific needs, like your, desk organization or you can shop by sports or laundry and personal care products or um my personal favorite the lunch and snack time items <laughs> everybody's favorite so uh, you can even sort by like certain characters which i thought was kind of interesting like if you like spider-man or your kid likes spider-man nice. or whatever you can you can search by that so um they've pretty much got everything on there but anything you need to get for your student this school year or i know like we have a few teachers that listen to the podcast if you need anything for your students or for your classroom or for yourself for you know desk organization or just general office supplies or anything all of that stuff is on there so um any of that can be found using that link and any kind of purchases that you make using that link also helps us out so it's a good partnership because it's stuff that people already need and you get a discount and you get to help us out. Your favorite. Everybody creeps. uses Amazon. So, yeah, which is kind of the the whole point. So, yeah, <laughs> and it's it's an easy way to like you just show up and here's the like the entire list of everything that you would ever need. Right, and you can sort by everything. So that's pretty cool. I saw it and I was like, this is insanely convenient. So I'm putting it, I'm putting it in. Good job. So yeah, yay. <laughs> so have you? Do you have everything for your classroom already? Uh, I have everything we need at the moment, but there's definitely going to be more stuff that I'll have to order. I've got my eye on a few things. Yeah. I always feel like need there's... Erasers. Like every couple of weeks, you're like, oh, yeah, I need to I need to stop at the store and get this one thing. Cause yeah. I went to Dollar General at 9.30 p.m. last night because I remembered I needed popsicle sticks for today. So yeah. <laughs> I had to run out and grab some. Yeah. I need to get this one supply for this one activity that I'm doing this week. Yeah. I'm never going to use it again. No, that's so. no joke how it goes. You open any cabinet in a classroom and there's like blue sand that you needed for something seven years yeah. ago, but don't want to get rid of it in case you need blue sand again. Yeah. Of course, if you do need it, then either you've already thrown it away or there's not enough to actually use. So you're going to have to get more anyway. That's so. so real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that we're going to get into the episode, but just to let everybody know if you in the description for this episode or on our Facebook post with the photo dump and everything. If you if you click the link and it'll take you to all the school supplies. So if you need anything, follow that link. It'll take you there, and then it also helps us out. So very cool. Very cool. Anyway, without further ado, do you have any other thing no. to get into? I'm ready. Okay, this is the Wizard Clip episode, Adam Livingston episode of the podcast. 
I'll come up with a better name whenever I edit it and go to post it on our RSS feed. Okay. But uh, so this happened in Middleway, West Virginia, uh, and it's a very small town, a very quiet town. As of 2010's census, the population was 441, and in 2020, it was 396. However, after 1794, things weren't so serene. Uh, After a traveler passed away while lodging with Adam Livingston and his family, this is Country Country Roads Roads Creeps. Yay! I thought I was going to trip you up before, but... Um, yeah, I almost said it way too early. <laughs> I know. I was like, yeah, let's, let's see. But so this is, this has been called the truest ghost story ever told. That's spooky. Yeah. And I haven't heard it. Speaking of, speaking of, because I know I mentioned this on the last podcast, I, so it's, it's, I, I saw a, like an Instagram video or something like that. I don't know. But said this is like the scariest Appalachian ghost story. It's scary, but it's, I wouldn't say it's like the scariest thing I've ever heard come out of Appalachia. Right. So, a little bit of like the Instagram words being <laughs> yeah. tricked me into doing this episode. So that so. happens a lot with I read a lot, so my Instagram is pretty attuned to like books and stuff. And so, some books will get so hyped up on there, like that is the best book ever, and you read it and it's just trash. So. You can't always trust Instagram, yeah. <laughs> like, but still, I think it's going to be a cool story. Yeah, so we're going to get into it. Uh, and so the first thing that I want to talk about is the history of the town, just so everybody's on the same page. Um, on January the 15th, 1786, the Virginia General Assembly passed an act establishing the town of Smithfield on land owned by John Smith the second and William Smith. A post office was established in 1806. And since there was another town called Smithfield in the state, um, a different name was needed to avoid confusion because Smithfield had become a center of commerce between several other towns. The post office became known as Middleway and Middleway remains a small village and retains many of its historical buildings today. The Middleway Historic District was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1980. The area where the town grew was first visited by John Smith I and his sons, John Smith II and Reese Smith, in 1729. And by 1734, they had established a grist mill and a hemp mill. In the 1790s, in an effort to increase the town, the Smithfield promotion was undertaken and this did increase the size of the town, but it kind of stagnated from then on. So the town has also been known as Wizard Clip, or just Clip, and townspeople are known as Clippers. And this is the result of the legend we're going to talk about today from the 1790s. Um, and so that's basically just the history of the place, just so for the historical context and so everybody's on the same page. Clippers sounds a little ominous as a nickname. Yeah, and it sounds like a serial killer. Like, oh, watch out! Lock your doors. The clippers on yeah, the loose. The the middleway clipper is yeah. outside your windows. <laughs> hide your kids. Hide your wife. Middleway clippers getting yeah. everybody. <laughs> uh, it sounds ominous in this context because it's a spooky podcast. But yeah. if we were a sports podcast, yeah, then the clippers <laughs> would just be like a 
Like a basketball team. Yeah, I think they are a basketball team. <laughs> this is going to be really embarrassing if like... I don't, I don't know. know anything about sports. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but your husband, Dirk, likes sports, yeah, I think. Yeah, he does. So he's, it's, no, it's a, it's a baseball team. <laughs> you guys are dumb. So anyway, um, so here is the story of Wizard Clip. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. This story is part of the oral history of the area and was coined by Reverend Alfred E. Smith, the editor-in-chief of the Catholic Review and secretary to Cardinal Gibbons as the, quote-unquote, the truest ghost story ever told. Yeah, I wish I had like a spook sound on here, but we don't. Um. Anyway, so so that Cardinal Gibbons, that's a uh, James. Uh, the sorry, James Gibbons, um, and so he was born in 1834 and died in 1921, and he was the senior ranking American prelate of the Catholic Church who served as Apostolic Vicar of the Apostolic Vicariate of North Carolina from. 1868 to 1872, Bishop of the Diocese of Richmond in Virginia from 1872 to 1877, and as the ninth Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Baltimore in Maryland from 1877 until his death in 1921, and he was elevated to the rank of Cardinal in 1886. So, super high-ranking Catholic guy. Right. Had the robes and everything. So... Um, this story varies somewhat being an oral story that's right. been passed down since the 1700s. Mm-hmm. And also because some of the details get a little bit skewed over time anyway. And yes, they do. There's not really a, a gigantic ton of actual physical paper records of this. Mm-hmm. So uh, the story varies somewhat from article to article, mostly in how the story begins. Uh, some saying that Adam Livingston's bad luck began for him at his farm in Pennsylvania. For unknown reasons, his Pennsylvanian property had begun experiencing a host of calamities, from his cattle dying off to his barn burning to the ground. And looking for a fresh start, Livingston and his family had packed up and moved. Anyway, the most common telling of the story starts with, sometime in 1794, a traveling stranger which is who's unnamed in every telling that I've seen of this. Uh, this traveling stranger visited the Livingston farm, which also not super uncommon for this to happen because it's not like hotels and inns or, you know, ev- like everywhere. Right. So um, you're, you're traveling for miles and miles um, between towns. So lodging at a family farm wasn't really like a strange occurrence. So you didn't have really Airbnb back in the 1790s. Yeah. <laughs> so you had to just hope that somebody would be kind and take you in. Yeah. So, which the Livingstons were. But shortly following his arrival, the stranger grew ill and quickly worsened. And mm. he requested that Livingston fetch a Catholic priest, because this guy was Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, to perform his last rites and take care of the body after he died. And with respect to whatever the Catholic traditions are after mm-hmm. your death. Um, so this is where another variation of the story comes in. Either 
Livingston attempted to find a priest, but was unable to get one in time. (laughs) The most common telling, and the official one according to this podcast, (laughs) is that he refused because he was a devout Lutheran and despised Catholics. Aw, sad. Yeah, so the Roman Catholic traveling stranger died without attention from a priest, and it's said that candles would not stay lit in the room where his body was held, and regardless of the telling that you believe, he was still unceremoniously buried on the farm on unconsecrated ground. That is sad and bad. Um, Do you think, like, his farm before the, the traveling stranger, like, his cows were dying off and stuff? Yeah. Okay, so maybe that his farm was also on an ancient Indian burial ground, cursed land, like the Clay family farm from the Lake Shawnee episode. And then it got even double extra cursed when the traveling stranger didn't get his last rites and was buried improperly. Well, so there was a different farm in a different state. Yeah. So so now they've cursed two areas of land. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so that was in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And then so his... That I didn't see anything really about it, mm-hmm. honestly. But the the so his cows and stuff were dying off. His yeah. barn burned to the ground. So bad area of luck number one. Yeah, but so I didn't I didn't see that in every article. So well, we can just pretend that that's the truth. Yeah. So but for whatever <laughs> reason, he did move to at the time was Virginia. So this yeah. wasn't West Virginia yet. So but. he could have had a fresh start, but now his land is cursed again. Yeah, so uh, shortly after this guy's death, Mm -hmm. the Livingston's home became plagued with strange goings-ons, going-ons, goings, goings-on. Happenings. Strange happenings. (laughs) Things were never the same. That's unfortunate. And I I wrote this in bold. (laughs) Um, What happens next was attested to by dozens of the Livingston's neighbors. Dot, dot, dot. I, I put a... (laughs) <laughs> what's, what's that called? Thinking Ellipses. dots in? Ellipses, yeah. Not the thinking dots. <laughs> yeah. So the sound of galloping, invisible horses racing around, and loud footsteps around the house awaken the family at night. Money disappeared and reappeared in odd places. The heads and legs of his chickens and geese dropped off suddenly, almost Stop. as if they were cut off Stop it. by some invisible force. And some of the livestock would disappear and die. No, that's so scary. Yep. Ew. Burning chunks of logs flew about from the fireplace. We'll come back to that in a minute. Dishes, glass, and ceramics would be smashed on the ground. Stones and other objects would fly through the air. Fires and candles would go out by themselves without no one nearby. Or sorry, with no one nearby, not without no one. No. Mm-hmm. One account even claimed that their beds would burst into flames randomly. What? And their barn once again burned to the ground. No, that gave me chills. That's yep. so scary. And you said like several people testified to that. The neighbors, yeah. So like all the four people in Middleweight. <laughs> yeah. That's enough. Yeah. So That's so scary. Another one of the Otter accounts claimed that one afternoon, Livingston saw a man stopped in the road with a wagon, and the man demanded that Livingston remove the rope that was stretched across the roadway. And when he said there was no rope, 
The driver angrily slashed at it with his knife, but the blade passed through nothing. And another wagon came along at the same time, and this driver also saw the rope, but he couldn't cut it either. And finally, Livingston convinced them to move on. What? Yeah. That's weird. So that was, that's kind of one of the weirder accounts of that. But that is they, very strange. There's a, like a ghost rope in the middle of the road that's stopping yeah. everybody from going through. <laughs> I wonder so. what the reason for that would be. Now, you remember last episode, and you had sent me a Snapchat of your notes when it was in bold, <laughs> and you said, but wait, there's more. And it gets, and it worse. gets worse. Yeah. I also sent you a Snapchat. Uh, yeah, and it spooked me. <laughs> yeah. Then came the clipping. I hate that so much. Not the clipping. Yeah. Ew. So, and it's just a barber with like the, <laughs> everybody's heads get shaved. I'm cutting your hair against your will. No. So this is where the, the name of the town comes in. Clip and Wizard Clip, the name of this legend and the townspeople are called Clippers. Um, the Livingstons heard metallic sounds of clipping day and night for years. All sorts of materials, fabric, sheets, and boots were clipped with half-moon shapes and other figures. What? And the curtains and sheets and clothes and valuables were cut to ribbons. And like I said, these manifestations of cuttings and clippings continued for a number of years, and it kind of became a thing of novelty that was heard across many towns. The town itself actually became known as Clip, and the townsfolk known as Clippers, and people would travel or from all around to see what the talk was about. The ghost itself is actually where we get the term wizard clip, and it comes from the original poltergeist activity and the obvious clipping. Anyway, one account was of a visitor who wrapped her cap in a handkerchief. I saw where she was visiting specifically because of the novelty of the haunting, which explains why she would wrap the cap in like a little handkerchief for protection. So she announced at a tea party in Martinsburg that she was going to visit the family to satisfy her curiosity. And upon her arrival, she placed a brand R new Gucci silk cap. It wasn't Gucci, <laughs> but it was, it was fancy, right? She placed it in her pocket all wrapped up. And when she was leaving, she reached into her pocket to find her new hat and handkerchief all cut to shreds. And I did see one account where the handkerchief was untouched, but the hat was all cut up, mm-hmm. which I think is a lot spookier. Yeah. Um, Livingston and his family sought help from a Lutheran pastor, because Livingston himself was a Lutheran, mm-hmm. who he said he didn't think he could be of any help. Which, so for this entire story, the award for smartest Lutheran, or I guess like <laughs> smartest denomination of Christianity goes to Lutherans. <laughs> Because he's like, I don't want anything uh, to do with don't this. Don't want to be a part of that. No, thank you. So, an Episcopalian failed. Three Methodist pastors visited, which is one was pelted with stones, and the three stood dumbfounded after seeing a rather large stone cast from the fireplace and spin on the floor for fifteen minutes. No. So this is where that joke comes from. Where like, how many Methodist pastors does it take to get rid of a poltergeist? <laughs> More than three. <laughs> Uh, what? Anyway, Livingston broadened his search to other conjurers and spiritualists, all who tried and failed to banish the spirit from the home. One night, 
Livingston dreamed of a robed man and heard, quote, This is the man who can relieve you, end quote. An Italian neighbor told him that only priests wore those kinds of robes. And based on this, despite his prejudices and uh, all the things that he didn't really love about Catholics, mm-hmm. he persuaded a frontier priest, Father Dennis Cahill, to come to Wizard's Clip. Cahill originally laughed it off as a prank mm-hmm. or like neighbors prank, playing a joke or tricks on him. But he was eventually convinced to come at least sprinkle holy water around the house. So. That's good. Neat. <laughs> After Father Cahill blessed the home, a previously missing bag of money was dropped right at the doorstep. And some uh. of the manifestations changed. Later, Father Cahill returned with Father Demetrius Galitzin, who heard the tale of the clip at his home in Conewago, Pennsylvania, and he said a mass at the house, after which the haunting ceased. Galitzin later wrote a long report to his bishop, John Carroll, about the events, but the document was lost, although he does mention it in other of his writings, such as Galitzin's letters in a chapter titled, A Letter to a Protestant Friend. <laughs> so the haunting stopped after huh. that. And that's the story of Wizard Clip. But that's not the end of the story. <laughs> I was like, there has to be more. Because there's voices too. Oh. So. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Let's get into that. Here we go. <laughs> this is so weird. So, Father Joseph Fanati assembled every witness account he could find in a book entitled The Wizard Clip in 1878 including testimony from neighbors and families who had been children during the occurrences or who had heard the story from their parents, all attested to the fact that while the tormented haunting had ceased, it was replaced by the voice, a beautiful voice that spoke to the family and certain neighbors for over 17 years. I'm sorry, what? Yes. The voice often accompanied by blinding Heavenly Lights instructed the Livingstons in the Catholic faith and led them in daily rosaries for the souls in purgatory, waking them three times each night for prayer. The Jesuit brother Joseph Moberly, writing an account in the 1820s, believed that Livingston had been examined by no less than Bishop Carroll himself, who was amazed at the knowledge this barely literate farmer had of the faith. Wow. Yep. So... 17 years, they lived with this voice. Um, and he, I mean, told them all about Catholicism. Oh, excuse me. Told them all about Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And, you know. And they were just good after that? Yeah, so this, this bishop was like, I can't believe, like, this guy can barely read. Yeah. And he knows everything about our faith. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. There were physical manifestations from the voices as well. For instance, at one point, a daughter was grumpily wondering why she had to pray for the souls in purgatory because she decided it must not be too bad to be in purgatory. Suddenly, a nearby towel bore a burnt but perfectly outlined handprint on the fabric in between each finger was intact. I don't like that. The voice told her that this was how the souls in purgatory suffered. At another point, 
Livingston was out plowing when the voice let him hear the wailing of the suffering souls longing for heaven. That's pretty scary. Yeah. Don't like that. The Livingstons moved to Loretto to become Father Galitzin's parishioners, and he donated the Middleway Farm to the use of the church. The voice had foretold that, quote, before the end of time, that would be a great place for prayer and fasting, end quote. And for almost two centuries, it stood fallow, known as the priest's field, until the diocese built a retreat center on the spot. I think I would have tried to move a lot sooner than decades later if I was getting haunted. Right. Uh, so it's easy to imagine Middleway in the 1790s because it hasn't really changed much. Originally, a bustling crossroads, later roads and railroads bypassed it. Left alone, the village retains many early homes and outbuildings. In 1978, Middleway earned recognition by the National Registry of Historical Places, with 60-some historic buildings contained within the original village footprint. Triangular signs featuring a pair of scissors with the crescent moon mark the village's walking tour. So, you can go here and tour it, and there's I'll put it on the photo dump, but there's all kinds of these signs and stuff that like have information about it, and then... These signs with like a pair of scissors and like the crescent moon shape on it. Yeah. Kind of neat. Cool. So Father Galitzin went on to become a prominent frontier missionary priest. The Apostle of the Alleghenies is what he was called. In 2005, he attained the first step to sainthood by being designated a servant of God, which is like a pretty highfalutin title mm-hmm. to be given to a like a catholic person yeah so um in 2013 an italian-based priest was designated as postulator for galitzin case or postulator for the galitzin case other actions by the vatican must be taken before he can be canonized as a roman catholic saint so that's like this is kind of this guy's kind of a big deal but he helped out this family and was like such a big prominent guy in this case, and helping them out and stuff, and got this this nice place built. Mm-hmm. He may eventually be recognized as an actual, like a saint um, for the Catholic Church, mm. which is kind of interesting. There's actually some, when I was in college, I took a class where we talked about a lot of, um, it wasn't specifically this like kind of class, but it, we read a lot of stories where there were people that were named as saints and like the stories that they the stories that were told about them that made them get their sainthood. And some of it was pretty cool. But anyway, so this is a pretty nice quote from uh, this website, religionunplugged.com. Um, and this, this says, quote, Thanks to the generosity of a man who lived over two centuries ago, men and women find solace today. Whether Adam Livingston acted out of penance for his own intolerance is unknowable. But today, the center welcomes people of all beliefs, groups from quilters to Alcoholics Anonymous to yoga practitioners come here. Each summer, the nonprofit Sum, so others might eat, brings 120 low-income seniors from the hot, harried heat of Washington, D.C. They welcome the opportunity to experience peace and quiet and to hear the wind chimes on land once, maybe beset by the metallic clip of scissors. End quote. Hmm. 
So that's an, that's strange. <laughs> so you have like this land that was haunted for decades is now yes. a place of like peace and escape. Yeah. Thanks to the Catholics. Good for um, them. But have the strange events of the past really ended? Oh no. Some okay. say they haven't. A priest who was leading a tour of the retreat had his metal rimmed glasses snipped into by an unseen force, and tourists who have visited the site have reported camera straps, purses, clothing, and other items have been mysteriously no. cut to pieces. No. They're still getting clipped. Still getting clipped. That's so Weird. Yep. So that's that's the case. Um, it's been known as a famous case of a poltergeist from some of the reading that I've done, which I mean, it fits. So because mm-hmm. poltergeists move stuff around all over yeah. the place. So, um, so that leads me because this is kind of a short episode. Mm-hmm. I want to give an overview of poltergeist activity. Okay. Because it's super interesting and super creepy. But first, coffee break. <laughs> okay. So with the the Livingstons, now I kind of wonder, was there something up with their land, like their first farm and the new place they moved to, or was there something up with them? Because like bad things happened at their first home and bad things happened at their second home. No. I I don't know. I really, it's hard to say because mm-hmm. first of all, it's not even, it's not an accepted part of the story necessarily. The first part. Yeah, so... But it makes a better story if it is. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It it really, uh, to be honest with you, it doesn't even really have much to do with the story. It's just that, like, they moved... Interesting coincidence. They moved to this place because their other farm had weird stuff, like their cattle died and their farm burnt down or whatever. Yeah. Which is weird and not really supposed to happen, but this is totally different. And then they can pinpoint that this... The clipping and the poltergeist that came about mm-hmm. specifically because he let this guy die. Yeah. So that's sad for that guy. The, there's been some videos, like the video that I watched that was like, this is the scariest thing is that this guy was, he, they said that he may have killed him, which is not in anything that I read. That, so, yeah. What would, why would he do that? I mean, it's, yeah. So mm. I, anyway. Um, we're going to get into poltergeist. So okay. what do you know of poltergeist? Uh, there's a movie. Isn't uh, there called poltergeist? Yeah. <laughs> yes, there is. Um, so in ghost lore, a poltergeist, which is German for rumbling ghost or noisy spirit, is a type of ghost or spirit that is responsible for physical disturbances such as loud noises and objects being moved or destroyed. Most claims or fictional descriptions of poltergeists show them as being capable of pinching, biting, hitting, and tripping people. They are also depicted as capable of the movement or levitation of objects such as furniture and cutlery or noises such as knocking on doors. Uh, foul smells are also associated with poltergeist occurrences, as well as spontaneous fires and different electronical issues such as flickering lights. They have traditionally been described as troublesome spirits who haunt a particular person instead of a specific location. Some variation of poltergeist folklore is found in many different cultures, 
Early claims of spirits that supposedly harass and torment their victims date back to the first century, but references to poltergeists became more common in the early 17th century. So many claimed poltergeist events have been proven upon investigation to be hoaxes. Uh, There's a physical researcher by the name of Frank Podmore. He proposed the quote-unquote naughty little girl theory for poltergeist cases, many of which seem to center on an adolescent, usually a girl. He found that the center of the disturbance was often a child who was throwing objects around to fool or scare people for attention. Skeptical investigator Joe Nickel says that claimed poltergeist incidents typically originate from an individual who is motivated to cause mischief. And according to Nickel, in the typical poltergeist outbreak, small objects are hurled through the air by unseen forces, furniture is overturned, or other disturbances occur, usually just what could be accomplished by a juvenile trickster determined on plaguing credulous adults. So, Nickel also writes that the reports are often exaggerated by credulous witnesses. Time and time again, other poltergeist outbreaks, witnesses have reported an object leaping from its resting place supposedly on its own when it is likely that the perpetrator had secretly obtained the object sometime earlier and waited for an opportunity to fling it, even from outside the room, thus supposedly proving he or she was innocent. So, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there Also, well, let me get back to it. Okay. I'll, I'll come back. So Circle back. I'm not, I don't want to get sidetracked on this because I have my notes <laughs> neat and you know how we are. So. Uh, according to research in anomalistic psychology, claims of poltergeist activity can be explained by psychological factors such as illusion, memory lapses, and wishful thinking. A study um, that was this was done by Lange and Haran in 1998. Uh, they wrote that poltergeist experiences are delusions resulting from the affective and cognitive dynamics of per- percipients interpretation of ambiguous stimuli, which is a lot of big fancy words for you're you're making it up in your head to explain <laughs> something that's not explainable. And you, you've reacted to this thing that happened that you can't explain by just calling it a ghost yeah. when it might not be. I mean, maybe sometimes, but not all the time. Yeah. So psychologist Donovan Rawcliffe has written that almost all poltergeist cases that have been investigated turned out to be based on trickery, whilst the rest are attributable to psychological factors such as hallucinations. Attempts have also been made to scientifically explain poltergeist disturbances that have not been traced to fraud or psychological factors. Skeptic and magician Milborn Christopher found that some cases of poltergeist activity can be attributed to unusual air currents, such as a 1957 case on Cape Cod where downdrafts from an uncovered chimney became strong enough to blow a mirror off a wall overturn chairs and knock things off shelves. So there's a there's a physical aspect of this sometimes every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Now, in the 1950s, Guy William Lambert 
proposed that reported poltergeist phenomenon could be explained by the movement of underground water causing stress on houses. He suggested that water turbulence could cause strange sounds or structural movement of the property, possibly causing the house to vibrate and move objects. Later, researchers such as Alan Gold and Tony Cornell tested Lambert's hypothesis by placing specific objects in different rooms and subjecting the house to strong mechanical vibrations. They discovered that although the structure of the building had been damaged, only a few of the objects moved a very short distance. The skeptic Trevor H. Hall criticized the hypothesis, claiming that if it was true, the building would almost certainly fall into ruins. So could it be seismic activity? Probably not, because mm-hmm. that would show up on a like a seismometer. <laughs> so, <laughs> probably not. Even like the smallest little earthquakes will show up on seismic, mm-hmm. like seismographs or whatever. So it's they they're recorded. Mm-hmm. So if it was, and if you were having, you know, poltergeist activity every time, then. No. So, but it's mentioned, so I'm just, I'm mentioning it here just to explain it away. But retired physical chemist David Turner claimed that ball lightning could cause objects to move around, which also kind of insane. Like, I I was under the impression that ball lightning was a pretty rare occurrence, and you would expect it to not happen super often in, like, a specific place. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, I don't don't know a whole lot about it, but it makes sense. So, it's also, it's one of those things where they're, like, for, like, alien sightings for, in the 50s, everybody was, like, like, the government said, no, it's ball lightning, that's what you're seeing, (laughs) and it wasn't, so. Anyway... Parapsychologists Nandor Fodor and William G. Roll suggested that poltergeist activity can explain by psychokinesis. Historically, actual malicious spirits were blamed for apparent poltergeist-type activity, such as objects moving seemingly on their own accord. According to Alan Kardec, the founder of Spiritism, poltergeists are manifestations of disembodied spirits of low level belonging to the sixth class of the third order Under this explanation, they are believed to be closely associated with the elements fire, air, water, and earth. In Finland, somewhat famous are the case of Makaila Ghost, sorry, of the Makaila Ghost in 1946, which received the attention of the press at the time, and the Devils of Martin in a city that I can't pronounce at all. It's I'm not even sure that these letters mean even the same thing, but I'm I'm going to try. I think it says. Yo Jarvi. Okay. We'll in, accept it. In the late 19th century, <laughs> which, um, so there were affidavits obtained in court for that case. But so that guy, Alan Kardec, he's actually, there's a type of spiritism that he's famous for founding. Mm-hmm. Like I said, so his, this specific class of spiritism, there's like orders of spirits. And so he says that these are, um, they're low-level spirits belonging to the sixth class of the third order. So there's, like, orders of these spirits, and there's different classes of each of them. So it's all a bunch of mumbo-jumbo <laughs> and a bunch of, like, woo-woo kind of spiritualism stuff that is a bunch of garbage. So 
Anyway, sorry to the people that are like Yikes. spiritualists and they're like, they're like, hey, I'm a hippie. You don't offend me like that. Stop. Anyway, so uh, psychoanalyst Carl Gustav Jung, he's pretty famous in a lot of different ways. But um, so he was interested in the concept of poltergeist and the occult in general. Jung believed that a female cousin's trance states were responsible for a dining table splitting in two and his later discovery of a broken bread knife. Jung also believed that when a bookcase gave an explosive cracking sound during a meeting with Sigmund Freud in 1909, he correctly predicted there would be a second sound, speculating that such phenomenon were caused by exteriorization of his subconscious mind. Freud disagreed and concluded there was some natural cause. Freud biographers maintain that the sounds were likely caused by the wood of the bookcase contracting as it dried out. So. Yeah, maybe. There's my overview of Poltergeist. <laughs> Good job. Also, that whole Wikipedia article on Poltergeist has a list of Poltergeist cases. Ooh. So remember I told you I copied and pasted that list to our our Google Doc of yeah, episodes. Yeah, I saw it. Mm-hmm. So some of them are garbage. <laughs> um, okay. So it might be worth just doing like, I don't know, like an episode on like the lamest poltergeist ever. No. We'll do an episode <laughs> on the coolest poltergeist ever. We'll do both. Um, <laughs> no I'm going to go through this list. Um, <laughs> here's a few of the, of the cases. Um, so there's the Glen Luce Devil. In 1654 to 1656, the Stockwell Ghost of 1772, which was later explained as a as a hoax, it got exposed. Mm. It was a hoax. That the Bell a Witch of Tennessee from 1817 to 1872, the Great Amherst Mystery from 1878 to 18, uh, excuse me to 1879, and Jeff. The Talking Mongoose of Jeff? 1931. Okay, please do that one. I've I've got some information on that right here. Thank goodness. <laughs> Jeff, also referred to as the Talking Mongoose or the Dolby Spook, <laughs> was an allegedly talking mongoose, which was claimed to inhabit a farmhouse owned by the Irving family. The Irving family's farm was located at... Cashin's Gap, near the hamlet of Dalby on the Isle of Man. The story was given extensive coverage by the tabloid press in Britain in the early 1930s. The Irving's claims gained the attention of parapsychologists and ghost hunters, such as Harry Price, Hereward Carrington, and Nandor Fodor, who we also we were talking about earlier. Um, so some investigators of the area, or sorry, of the era as well as contemporary critics have concluded that the phenomenon was a hoax that the Irving family perpetuated by using ventriloquism. What? So that's insane. How did they get a mongoose to cooperate in ventriloquism? I have no idea. (laughs) I don't know about that. In September 1931, the Irving family consisted of James, Margaret, and 13-year-old daughter named Voiree? They claimed they heard persistent scratching, rustling, and vocal noises behind their farmhouse's wooden walls panels that variously resembled a ferret, a dog, or a baby. 
according to the Irvings, a creature named Jeff introduced itself and told them it was a mongoose born in New Delhi, India, in 1852. According to Voiry, Jeff was the size of a small rat with yellowish fur and large bushy tail. By the way, I'm going to stop here and mention that Jeff is spelled G-E-F. And I kept thinking that it was called Geff, but on the Wikipedia article, you know how they always put the pronunciations? Mm -hmm. The pronunciation is J-E-F. I like that. Jeff. So. It's fancy. Jeff spelled like Geff. Anyway. (laughs) So. The Irvings say that Jeff communicated to them that he was an extra, extra, extra clever mongoose, an earthbound spirit, and a ghost in the form of a mongoose, and once said, I am a freak. I have hands, and I have feet, and if you saw me, you'd faint. You'd be petrified, mummified, turned into stone or a pillar of salt. The Irvings made various claims about Jeff. He supposedly guarded their house and informed them of the approach of guests or any unfamiliar dog. Jeff sounds super cool. Yeah. I like Jeff. But also, it's... So... They... So his (laughs) his own description of himself... Is, he sounds kind of cute. <laughs> he's a mongoose born in New Delhi in 1852. But then also says that he's an extra, extra clever mongoose, an earthbound spirit, and a ghost in the form of a mongoose, and once said, I am a freak, I have hands, and I have feet, and if you saw me, you'd faint. You'd be petrified, mummified, turned into a stone or a pillar of salt. I love that. Which makes me think that they never even saw the mongoose. They just heard him. Which talking. is totally possible that it's just some guy in their walls. Uh, okay, that changes the whole story. I yeah. hate that, actually. I don't want that to be true. Yeah, so anyway, Ew. says that we might do an episode on some of these, and that might be included, because that's creepy. But anyway. People living in people's walls. Yeah. Oof. Have you ever seen that movie, The Boy? I don't think so. There is, or no, what's it called? Brahms? Mm-mm. So, Brahms is a little doll boy thing. And this lady gets, um, she gets, she's like called to babysit or something. And the parents, and it's like an old couple or whatever. And they're like, here's Brahms. And it's a doll. And she's like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. This is insane. And it's a doll. immediately. They're like, here's a list of all the things you have to do. Make sure you give him a kiss before bed. Make sure that you dress him in his clothes before bedtime. Make sure you dress him like nice for the day. Make oh, sure you go through his lessons not. with him. Make sure all of this stuff. They have a list of things that she has to do every day. And she's like, I don't get it. This is a doll. I don't have to, but she's like, I'm just going to leave it and then make sure the house is okay for the entire time that I'm here for a couple of weeks. So, anyway. Spoiler she, alert. Yeah, so spoiler alert. <laughs> the doll starts moving around. Yeah. And... And she's like, what the heck's going on? And it turns out the Brahms doll is based on their son who there was some stuff that happened a long time ago and he lives in the walls now. No. But he's grown up. No. And so at the end, he like breaks out the walls and they no. fight. Yeah. Oh, it's insane. It's so scary. so scary. Go watch Brahms. It's so it's such a good movie. Even though we just but, told you what happened, but. Yeah. Well, we said scary. spoiler beforehand, so you should have skipped ahead. <laughs> anyway, so that's, it's so, oh my gosh. It's yeah. so good. They actually, they have more, I think there's more than one uh, movie of that. Yeah. I think there's two now. I saw a video of that happening like in real life 
this has been years ago that I saw this video, but a dude had like uh, security cameras in his house. And this woman was like living up in his attic. And when he would go to work, she'd come down and get food out of his fridge and stuff and like use his bathroom and everything and then go back up in the attic. Yeah, I saw home. that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah. So you, I mean, you might have a guy living in your ceiling right now. Yeah, I actually think about that sometimes. Really? <laughs> yeah, I hope, I hope I don't. I hope not. That's awful. But if you hear like any kind of like sound now after this podcast yeah. for about a week, you're going to be like freaking out. Thankfully though, like our attic access is really difficult to get to. So hopefully nobody, if someone did get up there, they kind of earned it to live in the attic because it okay. is challenging. Yeah. Um, please don't live in my attic. Please yeah. get out. <laughs> anyway, so there is another poltergeist called the Black Monk of Pontrefact. Um, so there's a, a movie. This is from the 1960s to the 70s. Mm-hmm. There's a movie called When the Lights Went Out, and that is loosely based, ugh, based on a claimed poltergeist haunting known as the Black Monk of Pontrefact, said to happen in the home of Joe and Jean Pritchard at 30 East Drive, Pontrefact, West Yorkshire. So really doxing their entire address here. <laughs> anyway. According to Jean Pritchard's sister-in-law, Renee Holden, alleged supernatural disturbances by a poltergeist given the nickname Fred included throwing things around, freezing rooms down, creating water puddles, and making noises. Pritchard's daughter, Diane, was supposedly dragged upstairs by her neck. The incident was locally popular but largely unknown elsewhere until Colin Wilson wrote a book about it in 1981 that gained notoriety among paranormal aficionados. Director Pat Holden stated that he embellished the story to make it fit into a horror movie template. So, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but it's kind of neat. So, yeah, that is neat. there's another movie that you should watch probably is When the Lights Went Out. And then you can tell me if it's any good because I haven't seen that. Oh, can I, just, I interject about movies really quick? Yes. Before I forget. Um, last weekend, Dark and I watched Talk to Me and we watched the new Insidious movie. Um, I think it was Insidious the Red Door is the name of the new one. Both were so good. Talk to me is an excellent example of what we were talking about in Lake Shawnee that you should not go messing with spooky stuff because right. bad things are going to happen to you. A perfect example in that movie. And Insidious was really good too. The Insidious movies scare the crap out of me. All of them. Every single one of them scares me so yeah. much, but I love them. They're so well done. I think Insidious, the final key was the scariest, in my opinion, out of the whole series, but the new one was pretty good. Yeah. So, highly recommend. If you haven't seen those, they're worth watching. I also, I really love all of the movies that involve Ed and Lorraine Warren. Me too. Even though, like, I know there's some controversy surrounding them. Yeah. People say that they're hoaxers or something. Yeah, but and honestly, we should good. We should do some episodes about them. Yeah. Because there is some good evidence both ways. I think, aren't Ed and Lorraine Warren in the Conjuring universe, not the Insidious movies? It has the same actors. But I think Ed and Lorraine are in the Conjuring universe yes. movies. Um, the Annabelle is their thing, right? Yeah, that's all connected. The Conjuring, Annabelle, The Nun, that's all the yeah. big movie universe. Yep. Insidious is separate from that, but it has the same actors, so it looks like the same. Yeah. But yeah, those are I really like all of those, too. Dirk yeah. didn't like Annabelle. He thought it was stupid. He made fun of it like the whole time. But it's the I watched it the first time without him, and I thought it was really scary. Yeah, All of those movies so, scare me, but I love them. They're really... So, Melinda makes fun of me because I <laughs> am terrified of 
Like, number one, so like ghosts are already scary. Yeah. Little girl ghosts are the worst. even scarier. They're yeah. the worst. Mm-hmm. Little girl ghosts in dolls that can like move around and catastrophic. Stuff. Terrible. Mm-hmm. And also, so in the in the Annabelle movies, they make it like a really spooky, scary doll. Yeah. It's just a raggedy Ann in real yeah. life. In real life, it's a raggedy Ann doll. Which is even more scary because everybody has a raggedy Ann. Uh-huh. And it looks nice and innocent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I just got chills thinking about it. That's so scary. Just a normal toy being evil. Yep. Bad. Let's imagine if like, I don't know, like your Tickle Me Elmo. Yeah. So... Which I think that was a thing a while back. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> back let's to, move on. Back to it. Uh, there's the Rosenheim poltergeist in 1967. Uh, that's the name given to claims of a poltergeist in Rosenheim in southern Bavaria in the late 1960s by German parapsychologist Hans Bender. Bender alleged that electrical and physical disturbances in the office of lawyer Sigmund Adam were caused by the telekinetic powers of 19-year-old secretary Anna Marie Schaber. Bender's investigations had been criticized for omitting key details and avoiding naturalistic explanations. According to Bender, in the autumn of 1967, he was requested to investigate disturbances in Adams' legal offices, which reportedly occurred only on the weekends. It was claimed that lighting fixtures exploded, swung back and forth, or had their bulbs removed, Heavy office furniture was shifted and copier fluid linked from the office copier. Additionally, the staff denied having made a large number of outgoing calls to a correct time service that were changed to the firm's telephone company or charged to the firm's telephone company account. The electric company reported evidence of malfunctions due to substantial surges in the power system. And Bender alleges that unspecified tests were made by the physicist Frederick Carger and Gerard Zika, who reported that some unknown form of energy is at work. Bender claimed that heavy filing cabinets were reported to have been pushed across the floor by an invisible force, and that a framed painting was captured on film rotating around its hook, calling her a typical poltergeist Bender believed that emotional unhappiness of Anna Marie Schaber, a young secretary at the firm, was converted into psychokinesis. He said that Schaber told him she was frustrated with her job and distressed over a broken marriage engagement. According to Bender, the alleged poltergeist activity ceased when Schaber left the law firm and was married. Which brings me to what I said I was going to come back to before. Mm-hmm. This is, so, when I was a kid, I used to watch these shows like A Haunting and all this stuff. One of these shows that it's kind of, I guess it's kind of like lame now where like they've got these people, um, they've got these people doing interviews and telling them about their hauntings. And then you, you, they interspace it with dramatizations of what was going on. And so I used to watch those anyway. So I remember watching one of these episodes of some show like this where there was a poltergeist going on and it turns out that what they explained it with was this girl who had like grown up and she was like just now like coming into middle school and I guess like they they were like yeah she just started puberty and so all of these like hormones and stuff are freaking out in her and that's causing her to be really stressed out and she 
is a super sensitive to all of this energy and stuff, and so it's her fault. <laughs> what? And that's why all this stuff is moving around and everything. And so she's psychokinetic moving everything because she's a teenage girl. Okay. Interesting theory. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I just I was reading this and I remember that, that episode like very vividly, like that being their explanation for it. And I wish that I could find exactly what show it was yeah, so that I could like that's weird. Yeah. All right. So there's the Amityville case in nineteen seventy five, which we should also probably talk about for sure at some point. Um, is that on the list? Uh, probably. It is now because I copied yeah. it. Based. Anyway, uh, the infield poltergeist in 1977. There's the Ammons haunting case in 2011. That's the most recent one. It's known as the 200 Demons House or Demon House. And it's an alleged haunting and demonic possession, which occurred in Gary, Indiana, in the United States in 2011. Latoya Ammons, her mother, Rosa Campbell, and her three children claimed paranormal activity occurred in the residence. The story was publicized in January 2014 and received national attention. I won't go into too much detail because I'd actually kind of like to do an episode on that. Um, But in 2014, Zach Bagans purchased the house for $35,000. Imagine. House prices. What show was he on? Ghost uh, Ghost Adventures. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. So... Um, he bought it for $35,000 and demolished it in January 2016 after filming a documentary in it titled Demon House. It was released on March 16, 2018. Dread Central's Steve Barton called it one of the single most compelling documentaries on the existence of Supernatural that I've ever witnessed. Los Angeles Times reviewer Noel Murray called the film hooey. So, well, it's two polar opposite. Right. Minions. Why did he just demolish the house? Because it's full of demons. Oh, fair. Uh, according to skeptical investigator Kenny Biddle, the film has been characterized as a pseudo-documentary, meaning it is filmed in a documentary style but doesn't portray any real events. So that's everything. That's everything I wanted to talk about today. That was good. Yep. I liked it. Good job. So, yep. <laughs> Good. Um, Good uh, the, the Livingston story definitely has some spooky parts in it, but I would not say it's the scariest Appalachian ghost story. It, I mean, it's weird and it's creepy and scary, but if, I don't think it's the scariest. If we are talking about ghost stories, I think Lake Shawnee is scarier than that. No, this yeah, is way scarier than Lake Shawnee. Lake Shawnee is child's play compared to this story. I don't know. Lake Shawnee people don't get their chickens don't fall off their heads. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's awful, actually. <laughs> I, I forgot that detail. By the way, so they said... That's so scary. I take it back. <laughs> the chicken's heads fall off and their feet would fall off and stuff. Almost like if they were cut off by an invisible yeah, force. I forgot you said that until just now. So... That's pretty horrible. So that brings me to like, was that a precursor to the clipping? Or did it happen in conjunction with and it was just like... It yeah, was, that's way worse than sheets getting cut up. Yeah. So I was wondering, like, is was it just, like, put out of order over time? Like Maybe. Because that's definitely so much worse. Yeah. So, anyway. But, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting that, like, so the Livingstons, they actually converted to Catholicism, like, pretty hardcore and donated all their land and stuff. Like, 30, 38 or 36 acres or something like that. 
The so one of the one of the articles I read uh, actually listed it in hectares. Do you know what a hectare is? I've heard of it. I don't know. It's, it's like, like a measure of land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like so many, like so many and a half acres, like three and a half acres or five and a half acres or something like that. Mm-hmm. But they're like, yeah, it's. 38 acres or 14 hectares. <laughs> it's like, who cares? No one's, it, no whatever. one has used the measurement hectare in like <laughs> at least a thousand and sixteen fortnights. <laughs> no one uses the term fortnight either. Like, um, come to my third grade classroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's in a different context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good stories. That was interesting. And it opens up. You know the door to future episodes to talk about some of those specific poltergeists. Yeah. So, also, interesting. This is. Do you know what episode this is? Five episode. You don't five. count the mini episode. That's a handful. Mm-hmm. So plus the mini episode, which would make it six. But this is episode five, so we've done a handful of episodes. Yay! We are officially podcasters. I think. Uh yeah, and we got the Amazon thing. We actually, so we have. A lot of new people following our Facebook now. Mm-hmm. So shout out to all of those Pretty people. Cool. Yeah. I like that. I so so one of those things like thanks to everybody that's like a new follower of the podcast. But also leave us a five star review because we're good. Thank you. And we appreciate all the likes and all the shares. There's several of my um coworkers that have been listening. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. All my family, all my friends, everybody that's listening. It's awesome. We really appreciate the support. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Say that a little nicer, please. Thanks. <laughs> that sounded worse. <laughs> no, it's it's cool that like more people listen. Yeah. Cause like, I don't know. I guess I guess we don't have like thousands of followers. But if we if we were doing a podcast and you had like a hundred people standing here, yeah, that's so many, that's and and we really are just doing this for fun. But it is exciting that it's getting out there and people are listening and it's getting shared. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. So, anyway, that's pretty much the episode. Um, I don't think I have anything else that I want to cover. But no, that's I just good. I just wanted to say it is cool to have more people following us now and more people sharing the podcast. And when you see the, the post pop up for the, the episode, the photo dump, hit the share button, hit the like button, heart react button. Please share it. Um, I think on our next episode, I don't want to say this is set in stone because I might change my mind, but I think I'm going to do the trans Allegheny lunatic asylum. Yeah. I was going to ask you to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a pretty good story. Good in a bad way. It's a bad thing that happened there, but it's a good story. And we forgot to mention this at the start of the episode, so we have to mention it the, the next one. Okay. But October. Cryptid extravaganza! Cryptid extravaganza. And we're going to do an episode every single week about a different cryptids. Yes. Should I say what those are or wait? No. Okay. But we'll, we'll do an actual big announcement at the start of the next episode and say everything. Okay. So if I'm you're really dedicated, for that. if you're a dedicated, a real dedicated follower, <laughs> a real creep, then you've made it this far and you'll know <laughs> that we're doing this thing and we forgot to announce it. Mm-hmm. But I knew every time we make announcements at the start of an episode and there's like, we always ask like, is there anything else? And we're like, nope, 
All right, let's start. There's always something else. There's always something. So. <laughs> Even with notes, like I, I had notes of everything to talk about at the start of this one and still forgot that. Yep. It's fine. We said it. Yep. I, so, so here's something. Cryptic Extravaganza, you're going to do maybe the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum next week? Yeah, most likely. I have a very special cryptid episode before the Cryptid Extravaganza. Ooh, pre-cryptid special. Yep, and it's because I, so listen, I, I saw this video mm-hmm. on YouTube, and it was the, like, the most famous monsters in every state in America. It's called, like... Your state has a monster, or your state has a cryptid, or something cool. like that. Mm-hmm. But it goes through like all these ones I've never even heard of. So I kind of want to do something like that. And just what's the most, what are all the monsters that we have? Because a lot of them, like, I've never heard of. Yeah. When we were at Cryptid Bash, I found a lot that I, in West Virginia, that I hadn't heard of. Yeah. That was cool. There's a lot in West Virginia we haven't heard of, and a lot in just general Appalachia that yeah, we haven't sure. heard of. But there's some in like, like the the monster of in Colorado is like mm-hmm. this insane thing. So anyway, so then I I was visiting my girlfriend and her daughter was like, "You got you have to watch this video," <laughs> and it's the same video. That's so cute. So she's like, she's like, "You got to watch and listen, listen to what this is because this is crazy." I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we're sitting here. I'm like rewatching the video with her. I love her support. So yeah. Um, which and I also love that she said I'm the funniest of the two of us. She said you're funnier, and she says you have a better radio voice. She's the best. Which, number one, neither of those are true. <laughs> According to her, they are. <laughs> no, well, she's 10. So, <laughs> so I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I do want to hear it. Please keep the compliments coming. <laughs> yep. You rock. <laughs> so, so, yeah. I want to do something like that before we actually do like a full... Like a full month of monsters. Mm-hmm. That'll be cool. I'm really looking forward to that. So, were you, were you going to mention? Cut that all out. I so I have an I have I remember last week or last episode we talked about my new car. Yeah, I found things that I hate about it. No, I found. You've had it for like a week, maybe two. <laughs> I've had it since the 11th. Oh, so sad. I found a couple of things that I really cannot stand about this car. Oh, that's unfortunate. Okay. They're not big deals, okay. so I'm not. Let's hear it. So, so the number one thing is that, and it's, I guess, part of the technology that I just don't understand mm-hmm. is if whenever it connects to the Apple CarPlay thing, and I can pull up the Spotify and the Google Maps and everything on my phone on the actual car itself, which is super convenient, and I love that, it will not let me have Wi-Fi connected. Like the you have Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi in your car? No, it won't let me have that Wi-Fi option on my phone turned on. You know what I'm saying? But why would you need that in your car? I, so that's what I'm saying is that it turns it off automatically. Oh, and then when you're done driving, you have to go in and turn it back on? No, no. So listen. <laughs> what is the issue? <laughs> so I don't have good service at my house. Yeah. I don't have good service at my girlfriend's house. I don't have good service in it because it's... Southern West Virginia. Right. <laughs> there's, there's never any good service. So <laughs> so I have my Wi-Fi connected to the house. Right. And I and I am going and I'm digging up a podcast oh, or whatever to watch. Okay, I see. And the I problem. turn on my car and then it disconnects me from the Wi-Fi. And so now I can't pull anything up. I, I do see that. Because I don't issue. have any service. 
And then I, so then I got to go in and turn the Wi-Fi on and it disconnects the CarPlay. <laughs> then, and, and for whatever reason, I don't understand why that is, but then I have to go into the car because it won't autom- I don't turn off my Wi-Fi and <laughs> then it automatically connects back. I have to go into the car. This is have, such a spoiled problem. <laughs> and I have to, I have to hit the phone button yeah. and then click my thing and turn off the CarPlay and turn it back on. Oh, and you so, poor thing. Like, first world problem, but it's <laughs> irritating. It's so irritating. I honestly don't I think I've ever noticed if mine does that or not, but I'll check next time I go. Well, who do you have? Like, who's your phone through? AT&T. Me too. Yeah. And I don't have that shoe. Okay. <laughs> anyway. I'll look into it for you. So, listen. <laughs> then, there's a thing of if I don't have my seatbelt buckled and I try to drive, like, up the driveway or something because it's a long driveway. And I don't need my seatbelt buckled. Yeah, you do. You should always have your seatbelt buckled. I'm in a driveway. It doesn't matter. And, so, and then up, I got to get out and take the trash Click out. Click it or ticket. Thing in my own driveway. Yeah, no. buckle up. It and then it dings. And then sometimes it won't stop, even if I <laughs> no, put it in park. It does not stop. So it's then I got to like open the, thing the door. So um, I'm like, just put your seatbelt on. That is an easily solved no. problem. <laughs> no. Yes. I'm, I'm in a battle with my car. Seatbelts save lives. The other thing is that... Sometimes, okay, sometimes mm-hmm. it, <laughs> sometimes if when I have my car on, I put it in drive and I go to move it, but I have the door open, you know what I'm saying? Like, I no. just. No, <laughs> what? Listen, sometimes. What is wrong with you? <laughs> sometimes I just need to move it like a couple of feet so I get in. And I put How it in often drive. then is this an issue for you that you need to move your car with the door open? Once a week. What? I don't know. What are you doing? Anyway, I just get in. I don't close the door, and I put it in drive, and I move. If I'm if I'm like at the range or something, <laughs> I'll get in. I'll have the door open, and I'll just back up like slightly or whatever. Okay. And it makes the loudest buzz, Aww. like constant sound. Don't awe me like Aww. sarcastically. Oh my! So God. sad. It is. It is. <laughs> this is. Oh my gosh! You just Fourth don't understand. Brand new car, get on your nerves. <laughs> <laughs> your life's so hard. <laughs> Jeez. I can't get any sympathy. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and so, but the other thing that I do love about it is that, like, I can w- just walk up and I put my hand there and it unlocks. Mm-hmm. That's like space age technology. I didn't even know <laughs> was a thing. And then, because in your car, it doesn't do that. Yeah, it does. And I have to jiggle the door handle before it unlocks a bunch. No, it does do that. But the issue is that you always get to my car before me and you just start trying to rip the handle off the door before you even give me the chance to unlock it. But it does do that. Do you it just, faster. You, you the, have your legs are twice the size as mine. The you get door, to my car first when we the walk. Unlock works from like a hundred feet away. No, but I'm not taking my keys out of my purse. Like, I'm just walking up to the door and doing it with proximity. You're insane. <laughs> you're driving regularly with your door open, and I'm the insane. No, one. I'm not. I'm not driving. I'm moving my car like a couple of inches. All right. Before we tear this friendship apart and ruin the podcast, let's let's end this episode. <laughs> No, so then also it so it's got that it automatically unlocks. My other first world problem is that sometimes I want to get in the back seat, like mm-hmm. put my camera bag or something in the back seat. 
And uh-huh. so I go, I automatically unlock the door. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, my bag. And I go to do the back. The back doesn't do it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so then, oh, you got to take one second and press the button. That's yeah. so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm spoiled. Poor thing. This is, I hope that when people listen back to this, they're like, wow, Hannah is just really terrible. <laughs> I hope they're like, yeah. She's really just mean to her friend. You're complaining about your super nice brand new vehicle. It's so nice. And you have had like 15 minutes of complaining about it. So yeah, I'm going to give you a little bit of grief. Be grateful. (laughs) It's such a nice car. (laughs) No, it is super nice. Get over it. (laughs) I love it. It is so nice. But listen, if Subaru is listening, I hope that they fix these things with the 2025 model. Subaru, if you're listening, I have no complaints. Keep doing what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) My car is amazing. I love it. (laughs) I'll I'll tell you one thing that's awesome is that I get about 450 miles per a tank of gas. Yeah, that's great. And I was getting like, I had my Jeep Wrangler Mm -hmm. and I was getting like 300 miles for a tank of gas. So already 150 miles extra, like 50% increase on my mileage. <laughs> yeah, And it costs cool. me $20 less to fill up mm-hmm. a tank. So for $20 less, I'm getting 150% the mileage that I was. So what the, like, what you're, the heck? You're not getting 150%. I'm getting, yeah. No, that's not how percentage. Yeah, because I was getting 300. Right. now I get 450, so... That's 150 more miles, but I don't think that's 100%, is it? 150% uh, of the mileage that I was getting before, yeah. Because 100% would be 300 miles. And then the 50% of 300 is 150, so if I get 450, that's 100% plus 50%. That's 150% of the mileage that I was getting before. That doesn't sound right to me. You're a third grade teacher. <laughs> you should know this. Okay, maybe cut that out. <laughs> No, you're going to look dumb on the podcast. (laughs) I don't want to look dumb on the podcast. No, you made me look dumb complaining about my car. Now you look dumb. (laughs) Okay. So. Anyway. (laughs) So the gas mileage is awesome. It's, I love it. And the windshield wipers are great. Jeep windshield wipers, trash. Yeah. They're garbage. You can barely see anything. It wipes. You can't see anything. In this car, I can see everything. It's amazing. So, anyway, that's it. That's all I want to say. You might have been right about the mileage. I might. A hundred percent, I am. <laughs> okay. Listen, I'll give it. Th- I'll give you that one. My bad. Everybody makes mistakes, Shane. Oh, do they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> the only mistake I ever made was starting a podcast with my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, please end this episode. (laughs) Okay, episode's over. (laughs) Be safe driving home. Put your seatbelt on so it doesn't ding at you super loudly. (laughs) Make sure your door's shut. Watch out for the not deer. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Merry Christmas.